When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Join us on the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. It's time to reel in adventure, camaraderie, and the joy of the catch. Here's your host, Darren Wendell. Hey, you fishing freaks. Welcome to podcast episode number 53 of the KFO show brought to you by the Wendell Fishing YouTube channel. Guys, if you're not on live right now and you're listening in from, you know, Google podcast or from Spotify, whatever it is, head over to the YouTube uh the YouTube channel at Wendell Fishing, and I'm coming up on a thousand videos, right? I post daily shorts, daily community posts, weekly podcasts, and weekly videos. And so if you stop on by, please go ahead down in the comments, say, hey, I do my best. I'm trying to respond to everybody there. If you're looking for some community, let's see here. I have started a Kayak Fishing Freaks. See if I can get this link down for everybody. There we go. On Facebook. So if you're over on Facebook from time to time, you spend some time there. I would love for you to join the Kayak Fishing Freaks group page. And uh, yeah, it's been fun so far. So I'm pretty excited about that. Remember, for those of you joining in live, this is an interactive podcast. So please ask your questions and I'll do my best to get those answered, whether they're questions from me or if they're from our guest tonight. I got Tyler Berger on, which is going to be awesome. And of course, I just love when you guys confer- converse with one another kind of in the chat section. So if you're listening in on Twitch or, or, or Instagram, or Facebook, and you're like, hey, what chat section? All that chat is taking place over on my YouTube channel. So if you're over there and you're like, hey, I'd love to read all the comments, head over to at Wendell Fishing, hit the live, and you will see um, the live uh, podcast. So, all right. Well, that's all for all that. I am excited with 32 million views, 182,000 subscribers just on YouTube, Tyler Berger from bass fishing hq welcome to the show brother how you doing good how are you doing tonight you know what doing pretty good it was a good day 2024 is off um i got i mean i i I shot three videos this past weekend so i'm excited about some of the new things happening on my channel so yeah it's going well how about you i'm good i'm great i'm just uh you know we're both ohio boys here so we kind of have to deal with the (laughs) same thing come winter time and that's some cabin fever. And uh, luckily this year, I've actually been able to fish a lot later uh, into the year. Uh, but it just gets, it just starts to get so inconsistent and so cold that in the lakes around here, I mean, they're just not great. So, you know, I've been going down south into Kentucky um, okay. actually to fish a little bit, um, which I've never fished. That's like a state, although I live so close, I've never fished there besides the Ohio River. So, but anyways, that's just what I'm dealing with is good old cabin fever. And, uh, but it, overall things are good. It seems like you're keeping you're keeping busy, right? So one of the reasons I want to have Tyler on the show, because I believe Tyler has some of the best bait breakdowns on YouTube, right? Whenever I want to learn how to fish something, um, I go to your channel to figure it out. Like I wow. used to go to, um, oh, those guys. Oh, it's just Tactical Bassin. Tactical Bassin. I used to go there. But first, I check yours to see if you have something first before I head over there. And so um, you've been doing videos for... Mm-hmm. I was on your site today. I always, I always spend a bunch of time on people's site. Like 
a decade ago, you were posting fishing videos. So I want to hear the stories. The number one question I always ask my guest is why did you start? How long have you been fishing? One, two, why did you start filming it? And how does YouTube thing all come to be for you? Uh, so for me, I don't want to bore the audience too long, so I'll make it short. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I was fortunate that my parents had a one acre pond in their backyard. So I started fishing really early and I used to love the catfish, actually. That was like my thing. And then okay. uh, just throughout the years, I had an uncle who lived in Florida who was a big tournament fisherman. And I started like just getting all diving into the whole bass fishing scene, loved every minute of it. Um, so that's where I really kind of started fishing. And then. I went to school um, at a high state and studied marketing. And from there, like I just kind of grew to love video and video marketing. I worked for a marketing company for several years. Um, and then, like you said, about a decade ago, about 10 years ago, I just decided to throw some random, very, very raw videos out there on YouTube. And uh, like I said earlier, long story short, I like never logged into that account for years and okay. years. And then like, I don't know how many years it was after that, but I happened to like, like re-log in. And I noticed that I had like thousands and thousands of views on one video and I already had like 300 subscribers or something. Wow. And I'm like, what? And I, I didn't even do anything after that. Like I, I was just like, that's crazy. And then the next year I logged in like again and it was this random fall fishing video that just kind of hit the algorithm, right? As we talk about in YouTube. Um. And I, other like all of a sudden i was like approaching a thousand subscribers and like it just was like crazy so but at the time i was very i was very like tournament driven like i, I fished a ton of tournaments like and I, I still fish a lot of tournaments um but i stepped down in 2021 from fishing the Bassmaster open events and okay. i decided that like if i was going to be fishing the opens i was going to go really hard into the youtube scene um, and so I just decided that I was going to use my marketing background, my fishing background, my tournament experience, and just put it all together and just, and just see what happens. And I was just like, I was telling you, I, I was so fortunate that, you know, 2021, I really like started just, I was like, I, basically what I said, I'm going to post three videos a week. I don't care how crappy they are. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to figure it out. And I did that. And within like a couple of months, I was starting to get some good traction and then by the end of that year, I actually quit kind of my full-time and another part-time job that I was doing at the time, and I went all in on YouTube. So here we are, a couple, couple of years removed from that, and I've been doing it now for a couple of years uh, full-time. So, I was talking to uh, Chad Hoover, oh, it was a few months ago, and we were talking just about growing the channels and so forth. It's like, that Bass Fishing HQ, I don't know what the crap he's doing. But it is absolutely going crazy. And it's important to know, like, most people just don't hop on YouTube and their, and their videos go absolutely wild. Like, look at your history and what you're trained to do, marketing. And that is, I am sure, integrated in every part of your videos. Everything's extremely strategic. And that's why they're taking off. Congrats. I tip my hat to you there. You also, I also wanted to talk about something. I want to give you the opportunity to talk about it because I think it's important. Um, one of the ways that you support your channel, I don't know if it's one of the main ways, but tell us about Finn and why you started it all that stuff yeah so uh you're referring to finn fishing my uh, apparel brand yes um so uh, a number of years ago like when i was i think i was like 17 or 18 this was before like the the hooks of the world really kind of came out i like wanted to start a company that was like devoted apparel to to fishermen 
And like ACO had been around for a long, long time, but I don't know necessarily, like, I don't even, I don't remember hearing about them really until Hook, like, or Hook. I remember Hook just blowing up, really sinking a lot of money into marketing. And I'm like, that is exactly what I wanted to do. And I'm like, here I am, one of those guys that are like, man, I knew I had that idea, you know? And so I just <laughs> let it go, whatever. But then there's been a lot of companies that have done it, but, uh, you know, kind of getting fast forwarding uh, a ways into the future. I think it was in 21, once I had started to grow some traction on YouTube in the fall, um, I had been working and trying to figure out, uh, just like you said, another way to support the channel, another right. way to kind of try to bring a revenue stream in, although it like, when it comes to business on that, like pretty much everything that I brought in is just right back into <laughs> right back into it. Like I, I haven't even taken a dollar from like thin fishing. But anyways, I had a son um, in actually the end of 2019. Um, and his name is Finn. Actually, it's Thomas Finn, but we call him Finn. Okay. And I just like for whatever reason, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to start this apparel company, name it after my boy. Um, and then I just started trying to sell it and i like went through all the motions of trying to figure out a business plan how to market it my product like everything like that and that's been like i had it's been like kind of on the like a little bit on the back burner like i've kind of wanted to really go a lot into it um and i kind of have over the last like six months really trying to figure out like the right manufacturer like something i'm really really proud of that's recent is like my sun shirts now are all made in the USA. Okay. And I, I think out of like all your major brands, like your Sims, your Athcos, your hooks, your, your, all of those, like this is the only one made in the U S like okay. most of them. And I'm not against completely against people doing that. Like I, I originally had stuff a lot made over you, uh, overseas, like the hats that I get, they're still Richardson one twelves. They're made overseas. There we go. You know, so it, it, it happens, but I just was like, man, how cool would it be to have a USA made product? Um, that's a sun shirt. Cause like, to me, it's like fishing, like why, why not? So to me, I'm really proud. I finally found a manufacturer here and they've been pumping out shirts for me and I've been able to sell a lot over the holiday season here. Um, and so I'm just, it's, that's kind of where it's been. And, and like I said, you know, I'm basically just reinvesting all the money. I mean, you see all the, I see it behind you. <laughs> the stuff that I have behind me is just inventory and stock and boxes and just all kinds of stuff. So but it's it's been fun. It's it's really been fun. So I, I enjoy it. I'm jealous of your space, right? So I'm thinking about like building a pole barn behind my house. And so I imagine that's where you have hold your boat and that's where you shoot your videos and that's where you have your business. Oh man, there'll be yeah. a day. This is I, where uh, like fishing gets expensive, is when you have to buy buildings to hold all your crap. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that's that's the truth. That is the truth. Oh uh, well, congrats. I was looking at your um channel today and we're getting ready to hop into the um, top water jigging cranking just a bit but i was just amazed you got four videos over a million views right we're not talking shorts folks we're talking about videos one of them was the study changes everything about bass fishing stop making these spinning real mistakes start skipping a lure better than your friends which i love that title by the way i had someone say he could skip someone actually wrote me today was like tyler can skip a lure in between two toothpicks i was like all right right on one i'd like to see that but two i get what you're saying and then bait caster mistakes like do you credit those videos to anything in particular like you're like okay i did i did this much different than i I've, I've done videos in the past and that's why they took off or you were like scratching your head i don't yeah, know it just went no i'm i'm pretty analytical uh if i'm being 100 percent honest i'm i'm very uh, i look at the analytics of all of my videos i could tell you pretty much within the first 20 minutes of a video going live whether it's going to do like well or not just mm -hmm. judging by the the analytics that i'm seeing 
Um, so I'm very analytical. So those particular videos I knew had potential is what I'm going to use. So if I know a video has potential, that just means I'm going to spend a little bit more time to make it um, as clear, as concise, as simple. I think that's a big thing that a lot of people overlook, especially in the bass fishing wor world is just simplicity because I'm not trying to communicate to pros out there, right? I'm trying to communicate to guys who are like wanting to learn a lot, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, the beginner to intermediate, like I absolutely have some, what I would say advanced tips on there. But for the most part, like I'm just trying to be simple because I personally believe that we overcomplicate so much in bass fishing. So mm. those videos, I knew that if I, if they had the potential, if I could make them the way that I wanted and not, and not be an hour long, like that's another thing that was one of the original reasons why I started the channel was like, there was some great YouTube channels out there, but sometimes you would have to listen for an hour. Mm. Um, and I understand that, you know, when it comes to watch time and all that stuff, but I just wanted to make like these 10 to 12 minute videos. And, and most of the videos that I still make are somewhere between 10 minutes and 20 minutes. And that's just kind of what I wanted. So those videos I actually knew would all pretty much do well. The one that's done the best, which was the, I actually published it like just uh, a little under a year was a study video. And right. I knew that that one had a lot of potential. And I actually, I spent 50 hours creating that video oh that's wow a, that's another thing that people don't always understand too is like the editing like i edit everything i'm like a one-man show right i i ship everything <laughs> like from here i edit everything i film everything um i have a couple of guys that do help me with video work and stuff like that every now and then um but it's it's just kind of a one-man band so anyways like i spent 50 hours literally just behind the computer on the screen putting that together so yeah yeah uh this, this stuff doesn't happen by accident by any means i love it i i heard a quote once and it was like written by a president and he's like hey i would i would write you a shorter letter but i didn't have the time right <laughs> because it takes a whole lot more time to it's easy to do an hour-long video right you yeah. just kind of talk and don't really think yep. about it to make that one hour a 10-minute video that's where it gets kind of that's where exactly. it's time exactly starts sucking the time i got a couple uh a couple of people chiming in here army outdoors the tyler's videos are awesome there you go i love it pi squared that this guy did 750 tests on fish line analytical is appreciated <laughs> there you go yes that was a very that took me three weeks to make that. whoa I think I remember seeing some of your posts and you were saying, Hey guys, you're not getting a video for a while. Cause this one's taking me forever. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 did not, I did not take in consideration how long it would actually take me to do the testing of that like, video. Like, yeah. Like if you haven't seen that video, like he's pulling out one of those machines called where you measure the, the diameter of the actual line. I like I honestly, you asked me too quick. I can't even remember right now. <laughs> I, I have it laying over there too. I don't even remember what it's called, but and what's the last one? Grimy fishing, okay. Frank Doucette said Tyler skipping video is the one that finally clicked for me. So man, you're making you're making a difference out there. You probably didn't knew that, but hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna remind you again. Micrometer. Thank you, Elizabeth. Appreciate that. I think that's what it's called. All right, so let's hop into the meat of this show here. Um, I ask, I usually ask my guests, hey, what are the three things you feel like you're pretty proficient in or have you know it's it's one of your confidence lures or whatnot and you replied to me hey top water jigging and cranking which is great so we're going to spend the rest of our time um probably 10 15 minutes on each one i got a variety of different questions for you and so first let's start off with top water fishing right yeah. and so uh, when do you start top water fishing when do you end and why now i know these are all loaded questions right and so this a lot's going to be 
there's a lot of variables involved, but for the sake of a question, when do you start? When do you end? Why? So like I said, I'm analytical, right? So when I start is usually like I've, I've noticed in a lot of places across the country when the water temperature is like 53, 54 degrees in the springtime, a lot of those fish are starting to move shallow. And as long as it stays in the 50s at night, um, usually you can start getting on topwater bites a lot quicker and a lot sooner than you think. Um, and I have seen that one of my best um, top waters during that time in the cold water period in the spring is a buzz bait. Okay. A buzz bait is a phenomenal bait to use in cold water. It's also the very last bait that I use in the fall. Like we were just talking about, which would I start when I end in the fall though, I believe that you can get on top water bites later with the water temperatures even being colder. And the thing that I do, or I guess you could say relate this to is like waking up in the morning versus going to bed at night. Like when you wake up in the morning, it takes you a little bit to get going almost. And I feel like that's the springtime for bass. So like why the water temperature has to be a little bit warmer is because they're just getting going. Mm. And in the fall, they're like at in the, and for us at night, like when we go to bed, we can pretty much go hard, 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 and then just fall asleep. Right. Like at least I can, but that's the same thing with bass is I feel like in the fall they're, they're feeding up, they're going hard. So they will hit a top water lure really late in the year. And again, mm. I come back to that buzz bait. The big thing about cold water buzz bait fishing though, is you want to make sure you are cranking that thing as slow as you can on the, so a lot of times I'm going to use a quarter ounce uh, head and I'm going to use, you can, I make a lot of buzz baits, but I'll put bigger blades on them. Um, to slow and them down. So, yeah, to slow them down. So you have a, a, a lighter weight, uh, buzz bait with a big blade. It's it, you know, it really allows you to creep that bait across the surface, and that's one of my favorite ways to fish. Now, one of my favorite like times to fish top water though is during the post spawn, because the post spawn when when big female bass get off beds, um, they're kind of recovering. But I think something that they will fall victim to often is like a big top water walking bait. And I fish for a lot of small smallmouth and largemouth and like man those big walking baits in that post spawn you can get on some of the right ones you may not catch a ton of them but you you can catch some really big fish so i i honestly like as soon as i as soon as i can start fishing a top water in the spring there's going to be a top water at least one tied up on the front boat boat of my deck like literally all the rest of the year no matter right. whether, whether it's a frog a buzz bait a top water i love a pop bar like i absolutely love top waters and I do think that there are days out there, and I've seen it here in Ohio, that there are days where bass will actually respond to top water when they just want anything else. Hmm. Um, so, anyways, that's why I love top water fishing so much. It catches the right ones. It's fun, but you might get a treble hook in your hand from time to time. So. <laughs> there you go. The uh, I mean, Ohio bass can be fickle. That's one hundred percent sure. Sure, there. Yeah. So, when it comes to how many how many rods do you have when you're on your deck? Um, like. Like ready to go. I, I I have probably a decent amount. Like I'm one of those anglers that just likes to have my options ready. Um, and I've also found uh, with tournament fishing a lot that like you have to take advantage of the situation. Like in tournaments, like it's a time pressure, right? Mm -hmm. And but you can still apply this no matter what type of angler that you are. Because if you're walking down the bank and you've been fishing a horny toad style bait. But then you see a nice log or a lay down that you want to flip a Texas rig or jig into. Like, it's nice to just have it there. Well, in tournament fishing, it's even really more important because 
you're going to just come across certain situations where like in a, in a second, you're like, man, I wish I had this right now. And I like to have that ready to go. If I can say, man, I wish I had this because sometimes picking up that bait and making three casts, it can make the biggest difference in the world. You find out that the bass are responding to one bait a little bit better than all your other baits. And I've, I've been burned by it by co-anglers too. Like I've told this story on the channel before is that like, I remember getting on a bite before in a tournament and then getting so focused on a completely different bite that I forgot about the other, the first bite and a co-angler would be kind of taking advantage of that in the back of my boat. So it's, it's, I, I fish with a lot of rods to answer your question in a long winded sentence. Give me I a have, number. I have 14 rods. I okay. would say minimum on my boat. Cause I usually boot do about seven on each side. Um, the, I just recently, uh, have kind of partnered with Clemens boats up in Marblehead and with icon boats. And so I'm actually running an icon. It's sitting right next to me over here. Um, you can actually get a lot more rods on the, each side of the deck than I used to be able to. So hot, that number might go up, which yeah. is scary, but I'm just, I'm just that type of guy. Like I like to have a lot of rods. Hey, no, I, I get it. If no, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, one of my buddies, I kayak fish, he runs 10 on his kayak. Yeah. Right. Sticking up behind wow. him. Uh, I have yeah. six or seven yeah. running. I just got some rod stagers for the side of my kayak. So I can technically do six, seven, 10 if I wanted to, but you're right. You're coming up on something that you didn't see. You came around a corner and boom, you don't have time to tie it on. Right. I don't know about you guys. I'm continually moving down the, the, the bank or whatnot. Yeah. And if I don't have it, I'm not going to stop and take five minutes to tie it on. I'm just going to try something else at that point. So yep. having those options available to you, yeah. um it's important so you did a video it says if i only knew this about top water sooner and it was a lake break video okay okay um talk about what that was if you remember now here's the thing i'm asking like, tyler might have done these videos like a year ago or two years ago i tried not to get them like too far back because i wanted to be kind of fresh in your mind and so if you're like hey bro i, I don't remember <laughs> but with your analytical mind, I'm assuming you know something about those videos of the past, even though you've done hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's a, uh, a video that I did on, um, assuming that you probably have a decent Ohio audience here. I did that over on West Harbor uh, off of Erie. Um, so it was a really fun day actually fishing a buzz bait like we just talked about. Um, and I was fishing it um, along uh kind of i wouldn't say that it was necessarily like buzz bait type areas like i was fishing it just mostly on riprap banks okay um i think a lot of guys myself included when we think about riprap a square bill comes to mind you know yep. like and and for good reason like i actually ended up catching fish in that video as well with the square bill but like one thing i hate as an angler is like getting into um these like mental ruts where I feel like I'm doing the exact same thing that everybody else does. So, you know, me picking up a buzz bait, like I had tried a, a plopper, a whopper plopper for a little bit there, but I felt like it was too aggressive. Um, and I just didn't want to pick up the, the square bill at the time. And I'm like, I'm just going to pick up a buzz bait, even though it's like not that much different than the plopper. It's a lot more silent coming through the water. And mm -hmm. I felt like it was enough to call them up, but not too much to scare them away. And it worked and it worked in that particular day. Um, and I caught a lot of fish on it. I mean, a ton of fish on it. Some that I didn't even put on the video just because those, those, um, those 
bays up there, those harbors can be like really good fishing. Like I still don't really understand it because they're starting to get a lot of pressure. Like every time I go up there, there's guys fishing, but there's just a lot of fish in those little harbors. And so it's just, it's just fun. Like I love to go up there and catch fish. And so that's what I ended up doing. I ended up catching a lot on a buzz bait that day. Um, and it was a lot of fun. So yeah. Another video that you did was topwater tricks that catch big bass. Do you happen to remember what any of those were? Uh, I've done several topwater videos, so that one is eluding me a little bit at the moment. I think that's the one where I just talked about a few things that you could do with your topwater baits um, to help you get bites uh, a little bit more often and so um, and help you to keep fish on. I think that was my that is the that is what I talked about in that video a lot is what you could do to more or less keep the fish on because okay, break it down for us. Well, the the big thing with top waters, especially treble hook top waters like your spook style baits and your pop bars or uh, your whopper ploppers, is that people hate them at times because you will lose a lot of fish on them if you're not kind of set up properly to catch them. And, and the big thing that I mean by set up is really your your hooks, your line, and your rod. Uh, your reel definitely matters, but probably not as much as those first three, your line, your hooks, and your rod. And so in that video, I talked a lot about the things that you could do. One being, for example, uh, using a feathered treble. Um, a feathered treble is at times as good as a target as you can get for a topwater bait. If you ever go out there and you're fishing a like a spook style bait and you have fish missing that bait, mm -hmm. simply simply put a feather on the back of it. And you will be blown away at times at how many more fish will actually just commit to the bait. Something about that feather in the water will really get their reaction. I know another thing that I think that I talked about in that video, I'm not sure, is using um, two split rings on your topwater baits. Okay. Um, and this is something that I picked up from Bass Talk Live, which I talked about in, the, in that video. So Bass Talk Live, I'm sure some of your viewers have listened to it with uh, – uh, Frank Scalish, um, who's another Ohio guy, he was talking about using the double split ring deal. And when he did that, I immediately made the change because I was on a topwater bite. And it was like the difference between catching 50% of the bass that hit in like 95. And I'm like, okay. That's oh, wow. Like, that's so break like down it. the science of the double split ring for us. Well, it, it's it, the big thing that it does is it drops the bait the hooks down a little bit more. I mean, just slightly a bit more, but it makes a difference because you have a fish that's, that's coming up for that bait. And sometimes they will just at the last second be like, that's not real. or They <laughs> won't hit it. Or what they do is they hit it with a closed mouth. And so just like having a, a bait that has two split rings, like it drops it further down. So there's kind of more area for it to catch on a fish. And the other thing is that it allows that, that treble hook to spin more. Another thing that you could do is use like a bladed, uh, a braided line split ring um, okay, where you yeah. actually make the, the split rings out of braid. Um, that's kind of the same concept, um, but that's even less restricting. Like a braid, braid will make that treble hook spin forever around. But with the double split ring, it does make it have a lot more movement and allowing it to have more movement when that fish comes up and shakes, it can kind of shake without it really like uh, having leverage on the hook to pop to it throw free. it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Illuminathan says, hey, I know some guys that run a snap on their topwater baits. Um, yep. And to your point, or a hook loop knot, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yes. Right. I, I, 
a snap is really a snap is great on top waters for two big reasons one like to be able to interchangeably switch out top waters like if you want to go from one color spook to another color spook like in a split second instead of retying everything it's it's a clip right it's a snap another thing that's nice about it is it does give that bait a little bit more movement as opposed to tying directly to that bait now sometimes like for example when i tie a, a pop r on sometimes i like to have it tied directly um onto the bait because i work a pop r really fast through the water and i actually don't want it to have a lot of side to side movement at times i just want it to chug and spit water okay. so i actually will tie it directly to it so it really actually restricts the motion a little bit but it keeps it in a straight line so i can chug 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 chug, chug really quick pause it for a split second and just keep working it very fast so that it but snaps are really nice so now since you were talking about pop art we have a um popper we have bass raft had a question come in it's a question for tyler when do you throw a pop r over other top waters so two two big reasons um to me a pop r is one of the best like target oriented baits so if you are fishing top water at targets and what i mean by targets is like you're you're kind of getting uh fishing a dock or a dock piling or a stump that's in the water or grass patches. Like if you have targets, I really like to throw that popper because you can work it as slow as you want. I mean, you can work a spook slow, but it just doesn't have the same um, mo motion, I guess, as really working it kind of faster. So one thing is if I'm fishing a lot of targets, so if I'm fishing it shallow, I really like it. Also, if I'm fishing around a lot of bluegill eating fish, okay if they're eating bluegills it's one of the best baits because a bluegill will kind of snap the surface a lot you hear them up underneath lily pads making that snapping noise so that is when i will pick up a, a pop bar a lot the other thing that i do is if fish are missing your spooks and you've tried all the tricks to try to get them to hook up maybe you've tried the split rings you've tried having whatever changed up colors feathers switch over to that pop r and you'd be surprised at how many more fish commit to it there's a lake near me where there's smallmouth in it and sometimes they struggle to hit a, a, a spook they will blow it out of the surface they will miss it they will jump over it you tie on a pop r and you'll hook every single one of them so those are kind of the situations where i like a pop r more than any other lure or other top water lure Oh, great question. Bass Raft. If you guys have a question for Tyler, go ahead and throw that in. We're going to be moving away from top water. So if you had a top water question, uh, we're only going to do a few more of those. Mainstream Fishing just said, hey, Tyler's the man, has just good fishing knowledge. I fell off his channel, but I'm being reminded why I used to watch him every day. <laughs> so that is awesome. Thank you for that, Mainstream. Come on back. Um, you did a video on this, and I would want to ask you, Spook versus Popper, which is the best? That was the title of your video. No. Love for you to break down when and why. Yeah. So we kind of just talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, and the the big thing with that video is I wasn't really trying to say this bait was better than this bait. The big thing I was trying to say is when should you pick one up? You know, when because that's exactly what a lot of people will say is like, you know, you have these top all these different top waters, but they're all like kind of doing a similar thing. They're all on top right they're all surface plug of some sort so like when do you choose one over the other and that was kind of the main um point of that video so to me we kind of already talked about when and where i like the popper now when it comes to like a spook style bait 
Um, for me, like it's kind of like I talk about with popars and bluegills. If bass are eating gizzard shad or shad really of any sort, I really like that spook. I think it mimics a spook. It has more of a profile of a, a longer bait fish like a shad, a gizzard mm-hmm. shad, a threadfoot and shad. Um, the other thing that I like a spook over is is um, I wouldn't say covering water, but like I guess it is covering more like expanses of water. Like I can be very fast fishing a popper, like I talked about, but if, if you're fishing a large grass flat, I usually will start with that spook because I do feel like you can cover water and draw fish in from a further distance. I think that is one of the bigger things about a spook style walking bait that's different than the popper. I think that the spook has a, a larger drawing power. So mm-hmm. like you might only have to get your bait within 10 feet horizontally of that fish on a flat. So I can cast every 20 feet and I'm covering the water. But with a popper, that fish might have to be within four or five feet horizontally to, for you to catch that fish. So you have to work it in a lot like um, more casts so that that it takes up a lot more time if that makes sense so if i'm covering larger expanses of area like grass flats large points that's when i'm going to pick up that spook okay i like it 3d yak says kind of piggyback here spooks will draw up fish from really deep for him yes seems like yes. poppers more cover for him awesome yep. exactly uh, love it all right three questions came in uh first one from patrick fahey Tyler, question for you. Just picked up the Spro Chad Chad. Under what conditions should I be throwing it? There it is. Right, he's he's holding it right now, folks. If you're listening in from the podcast, he's. Damn. Yes, this is a. Uh, this is. You should have this. W- so something that I've learned, and I've, I've I've talked about this on the channel here recently, but I keep this is a part of the rods that I have on the front deck of my boat now. I always have this bait tied up, always, every single day. Now, if you're kayak fishing and you have a limited amount of rods, it may be harder. Or if you're bank fishing, I get it. You should at least have it with you. And the big thing that I've learned about the these baits is, for me, the, 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 the window that they will eat them the best is usually in a little bit, like, colder. Like, when the fish first move up in the springtime is a great time. When they first move up, that's like that pre-spawn to spawn even. And a little bit into post-spawn is a great time to throw that Spro Chad Chad. But there are days, for whatever reason, especially late in the summer, like September, like a groggy month of September, where this thing will play a lot of times too. And the thing that I've learned, though, about these baits is that they're not just for catching fish. Like that, For me, I use this a lot for finding fish. And, and, and they're, I'm not always going to catch them, but I find them often with this and and something that i've done uh, a lot this year is um actually use this in deeper water um so i used to like i used to find fish on docks for example a number of years ago um using some sort of glide bait it wasn't a, a chad shad it was a different glide bait at the time um but you could go down a dock throw this bait i learned this at lake norman in north carolina and you would bring fish out of that dock okay. now some some of those fish would commit to the bait and eat it but if they didn't you would know, hey, how big that fish was or how many were there. You could come back later in the day with a, a wacky rig, a jig, and a lot of times catch that exact same fish that you drew out with the bait. So like I said, it didn't eat the bait, but you found that fish because of the bait. I actually, there was a tournament this summer that I was, 
I, I had fish that were like really deep stumps, like 18, 20 foot oh, wow. uh, on stumps. And I was casting this bait on and, and with the use of forward facing sonar, which I know not everybody has, I would let that thing fall all the way down to the stump, which took a while. And I would just work that bait about two or three foot above that stump. And you would see if bass were there, they would rise up and they would, they would come after it. So <laughs> they didn't, I never caught one fish with this, but I knew every stump that had bass on it. I came back later with a big 10 inch worm and caught those exact same fish. Love so it. that's the big thing that I've learned with this bait is I always have it tied up in their situations where you will find fish with it, but you're not always going to catch them. So it's, that's why it's important to have them. Yeah. There you go with a Creek collar. Had him on the show a while back. I called my Chad Chad the locator. So yes, there you go. Sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right, let's switch gears here because we're at 40 minutes. And let's switch over to cranking, right? Okay. And you had a video, and I'm sure you can just talk about in general. General, It says every fisherman should know this about crankbaits. And so you might not remember the video, but if someone asked you the question, what should every fisherman know about crankbaits? Now, obviously, there's square bills and shallow divers and medium and deep divers. In general, what would you, if someone asked you that question, what would you say? So I would say, I'd say the, probably the big thing is, is your retrieves. You know, I think for a lot of us, when we pick up a crankbait, you know, we think about just casting that bait out and really just reeling it. And a lot of us are going to do the exact same thing, you know, the same exact pace, um, whether that's a medium pace or whatever. And a lot of times if that bait is hitting the bottom, you're still going to catch fish doing it that way. But man, I just feel like we leave fish on the table by not imparting a little bit of action mm. into your crankbaits. And so that's one big thing that I would definitely tell people is to mix it up a little bit. Something that I do every time I'm fishing a crankbait is I will sweep the rod a lot and I will let that bait pause. And so it's it's coming down. Let me let me pull one out here because I do have a couple. Um, here, here's a big old big boy, 10XB. So if you're, if you're, if you're bringing that bait and it's hitting across the bottom, you know, like usually when you catch a fish on a, on a standard retrieve, it's because it hits something and that bait deflects off and that bass hit it right then mm -hmm. and there. So it, it, if you're not always deflecting off, like try to recreate that same action. So a lot of times I'm going to bring that bait down it's hitting the bottom, it's hitting, and then I'm going to stop it. It's going to pause. It's going to shoot back up. If a fish is tracking that and all of a sudden something shoots up in their face, sometimes they bite it. Like, yeah. I'm not going to say it works every single time. But there was a tournament that I fished a couple of years ago with my buddy. And uh, let's just say that I was catching all of our fish and we were fishing the exact same crankbait. He was reeling his at exact steady pace. Mm. I was behind him. I was fishing like in the back cleanup. of the boat. Yeah. Clean up and catching a lot of fish. And finally, I'm like, dude, they're hitting it on the pause, like mm. every single one. And so it was within 15 minutes of me saying like, you got to sweep that rod. And he's a very good fisherman, right? It's It's not about that it's not about him not like being a good angler it's he's a very good fisherman but as anglers we just get in the ruts we get in the ruts of doing the exact same thing but as soon as he stopped and he started pausing it and letting it float back he started catching them it was right away so retrieves to me is really really important another thing is speed mm -hmm. there are especially during the summer i don't think you can reel a crankbait fast enough i okay. really don't you know, even these big ones, like I love deep diving crankbaits. I love reeling them like high speed as fast as you can and, and getting that bait just flying past the fish. I think that that causes so many reaction strikes down there on the bottom. 
that it, it is the difference between catching a couple and catching a lot of big fish. Oh, wow. And then the last thing I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little long-winded with this. No, I, I asked you to. I mean, I don't I think anybody's complaining right now, by the way. So <laughs> go to town, man. <laughs> okay. Well, the other thing, like, you know, you hear it off, you hear it from time to time. So this isn't anything revolutionary. But talking about baits that have like rattles versus baits that are silent. Right. Like I said, you hear that there's differences, but until you fully experience it, you may not think to just pick up those baits that are different at times. And and I had so many situations over the years where using a silent bait would catch five times as many fish as a bait that had a lot of rattles. As a mm. matter of fact, I tend to start a lot of times cranking with baits that are more silent, um, especially when today's age with so much pressure on these bodies of water. Um, but every year it seems like I'm just reminded of that. You know, for example, this year I got on a really good, really strong, deep cranking bite on a lake and I caught them the week before with a rattling deep diving crankbait. Um, yeah. but I only caught like four or five fish and I knew that there was a big school there. Um, I tried a bunch of different lures, but we had good weight. We ended up winning that tournament, even with those couple of fish that we caught. Well, a week later, those fish were still there. I picked up that deep dive and crankbait. I caught one fish on it. And I'm like, man, I can see these fish. I know that they're there. I've, I've idled over them. I switched over to that silent bait. And it was un the most unreal, like 20 minute period that I had this year. Like wow. my, my, the guy who fished with me, who's my tournament partner and my best friend, like he didn't even pick up a rod for like 20 or 25 minutes. It was just literally me just reeling up. <laughs> and luckily, like I had rigged up a couple of rods with deep diving crankbaits. But by that point, like I also mixed in other baits. So I caught some on like a big spoon in, in this 20, 25 minute window as well as crankbaits. But the crankbait was definitely the deal. And I caught so many so quick on every cast. I honestly started feeling bad for my my buddy my partner who was in the back because i'm like i was and once we kind of like we we were fortunate we ended up winning that tournament as well um but i at the end of it i'm like dude just get up here just cast in there like they're, <laughs> they're still going you know like but i say that i'm trying not to like toot my own horn there have been many tournaments where he's doing the exact same thing no I, yeah for you sure. you know so that's it, it happens but i just remember the the silent crankbait was the ticket that night oh yeah hey you guys are coming up short Never the, the slightest change, right? Rattle knocker to 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 nothing. Yeah. Uh, you did a video titled "Stop Fishing Lipless Cranks Like This." Was similar to what you just shared, or is it something completely different? Um, lipless crankbaits are just a little bit different. Obviously, you know they're not a, a floating bait, and they you fish them in a lot of the different situations. Um, the big thing with lipless crankbaits, uh, I did have I did have some of the similar points in that video. One being the rattles. Like yep. there are a couple of brands. Um, I believe Duo Realis makes a silent um, lipless crankbait. It's okay. one of the only on the market. It's a good little bait. Um, and it's, again, it's the same thing, rattles versus not rattles. The other thing that I talked about in there is, re again, retrieves. Um, burning that lipless. Um, but the big thing is, like, is, is, is getting that bait to fall. Like, that was actually a lipless crankbait was one of the first like bass lures that I ever learned. Like when I first got into bass fishing, my uncle had taken me out on Lake Toho um, in Florida and everyone in the boat caught bass that day, except for me. I did not, <laughs> but I learned a lot and we were throwing lipless crankbaits. I did catch a pickerel. So there you go. There you but, go. but anyways, like making that bait fall, like he taught me early on, like even if you're not fishing around grass, 
just reel that thing four or five times and then just stop and just let that bait fall. And I do that all the time to this day. And that is my number one way of catching fish on a lipless crankbait. I just reel it as fast as I can and stop. Nothing just, especially with baits like a red eye shad, you know, like a red eye shad strike king, like it has that little bit of a quiver when it goes down and the bass can't resist that at times, I swear. And so that was, I think one of the things that I talked about in that video. Um, I can't remember that. I did that one a long time ago. That was a multiple year, I believe. So, yeah. Tyler's bringing the juice tonight, folks. Ton of tips. I'm learning things and heck fishing 30 some years. So thank you so much for that. Now we can't, we can't leave the cranking conversation without talking about your favorite type of rod and what goes to your mind when it comes to rod and line when you're cranking. Yeah. So um, I've tested out a lot of rods over the years. Um, the biggest debate when it comes to crankbait fishing is really the, the material that your rods are made out of. So you have a, a glass rod, like a fiberglass rod. That's a very slow action. Um, it's a very parabolic bend. Um, you have graphite rods that are made to um, have that similar action, but they typically have more feel to them, which a lot of people like. I am on the composite train. I like the, the rods that are half glass, half graphite. You have a little bit of the best of both worlds. And the reason that I like the having a little bit of glass in there is that this is a really funny reason, but it, I think it holds true, is that if you have ever casted a crankbait into a, a tree, like a leafy <laughs> tree, if you're using a glass rod and you're yanking that thing out, that hook will not come out. If you're using a graphite rod that has a similar action, it'll pull free. Right? I love it. It has nothing to do with catching fish, it but everything nothing. to do with getting your mistake out of the tree. Yep. But I've, <laughs> I've done it enough that I've realized that it's the same thing when it comes to a bass. When they go to jump, it's like you yanking them, right? But they're yanking. They're the ones yanking back. So having a little bit of glass in the rod, I truly believe helps you to catch more fish. It helps to put more of those fish that you hook in the boat. So that is why I really believe in the glass rods. Now, the biggest thing when it comes to fish, uh, sorry, glass, I said glass, but I mean composite, okay. the composite rods. The biggest thing with those rods is don't be afraid to more or less jack them on the hook set. If you watch Kevin Van Dam, probably the best crankbait fisherman of all time, he uses the exact same composite style rod. And when he sets the hook on fish with that rod, he jacks them. But just watch, just watch video of them. I mean, he's reeling. He's got that bait. This is the other thing. Keep your rod pointing right at the bait. When you're like, when you're like deep cranking, obviously if you're going to be pulling it, you know, doing kind of like what we talked about earlier, you're going to be doing that to the side. But when you're really ripping that bait down there, keep it directly at the bait. And when you can't like, when your reel stops, usually my hand comes off the reel because a fish hits it. Mm. I just freaking rip into them. So you set the hook hard. And now that, I mean, I lost so you, I caught a lot of fish on a crankbait over the years. I caught a lot of fish on a crankbait this year in particular. Mm. I feel like I lost probably two fish like wow. out of all the fish that I'm thinking of. And But again, um, the big thing there too is I do like fluorocarbon line, straight fluorocarbon. I think that you can kind of get a similar action if you use a graphite rod with monofilament because there's more stretch there. Than the than the gra or or a composite rod with fluorocarbon. So that's what I think you can do. There's going to be people that are kind of all over the place with that, but that's just what I find to be the best 
is that composite rod. Yeah, hundred percent. I love it. All right. We are down to almost 51 minutes on the podcast tonight. And I want to finish off with one of my favorite ways to fish. I didn't always love it. Actually, I used to hate it because I feel like there's a love-hate relationship. There's no like medium ground. I don't typically find someone who like, yeah, I type the, the jig on every once in a while because it's good and and then it's bad the next day. It's either I love the thing and I tie it all in all the time or I hate it because I never catch any fish on it. And yeah. so let's let's enter into jig fishing because there's swim jigs, football head jigs, punching jigs, casting jigs, flipping jigs, grass jigs. I mean, finesse. All There's so many different types of jigs for different scenarios. Which ones do you use the most and why? Yeah, so I I do use different jigs for different situations. You know, like I, I can't say that I have one that I use the most, but I always tell every single person that if you're just getting into jig fishing to pick up like that RP style jig head, this is, you're not going to really be able to see it, but most guys probably know what the RP style jigs kind of look like. Is that kind um, this is a little Kitek. Yep. Yeah, I love Kiteks. So this particular jig, this is a little bit, this is a tungsten jig, but that Arky style jig is the most versatile jig on the market. You can swim it, you can hop it on the bottom, you can flip it in a, a tree, you can you can skip it very, very well. Those are the jigs to skip. And it's a really, really great little bait. Now, the other thing, if you're just getting into jig fishing, is definitely go with some sort of finesse, finesse-er jig. Don't don't go with the half ounce to three quarter ounce to one ounce jigs off the get go because you're gonna hate life because it's just it's you you got to get the feel of it like that's a lot of weight to flip around you know and whatnot but you also get a lot more bites with these little finesse jigs like you just said this is a little Kitek casting jig um, it's a tungsten jig um, this bait like does get a lot of bites yes. out there a ton of bites and um i always tell people start with that style of jig and then just kind of start getting bites on it and start learning how to jig fish before you start getting into you know for example like this it, jig here this is another tungsten jig by i believe outcast tackle it's a seth fighter jig um it's a stealth fighter this is like the grass jig that i use mm. like if i'm fishing in hydrilla milfoil um lily pads even like this is the jig that i'm gonna pick up but this jig in a wood laydown is terrible it gets hung up constantly i've tried it so you have to realize that jigs are built for like certain styles um but an arky jig is that one that you if you're just getting in picked up pick up an arky style jig and you're going to be good to go I like it. I got some Beast Coast on the way. They had some bunch of closeouts that they were getting rid of, not bringing back. So I'm like, ooh, I yeah. like this one. I like them before I knew it, I'm like $40 into a closeout sale. Um, <laughs> so looking forward to that. But Kitex are, are my favorite. The one that you picked up yeah. does really well where I fish around here in Northeast Ohio. Um, jig trailers. How much thought do you give to them? Very little. Very okay. little. Um, to me, it's you have two jig trailers um that i use one is the chunk style trailer so your typical zoom super chunk is what i like you know uh, i'll use a super chunk junior on my finesse jigs um so that's just i don't have any on me they're up there in the boat but they're you know that's just a chunk right there's no action to it so if i fish in cold water or really highly pressured situations that rod's falling on me that's that's the jig trailer that i'm going to use i think in 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 situations where you have a lot of high, highly pressured bass, like the less action you have in a bait, the more bites that you're going to get. So okay. 
cold water is the same thing. Like nothing in nature when it's cold is moving like really drastically fast. Right. You know? And so I like that chunk style trailer. It doesn't have a lot of action to it. And then you have the crawl style trailers, mm-hmm. you know? And so the crawl style to me, uh, is the ones like a, a striking menace grub or anything that flaps when you cast down there, um, a rage crawl, like they all flap on the bottom. Those are going to be like, if I'm fishing for bass that are pretty aggressive, or if I'm in really hot water or really muddy water, um, I want some vibration. I want fish to like pick that up pretty easily. And so that's, those are really, to me, I probably fish those in 95% of the situations that I fish. Um, something I've gotten into a little bit is kind of throwing that turd style bait on the back of a, a jig. So like if you take this Kitek and you put like a, a three and a half inch turd style bait on it, that thing will clean up here in Ohio. All right. Um, but um, talking like a, a, like a depth cover scat or like a Yamatanuki 2.5 or something. No, like that. <laughs> those, those baits are really heavy. So sure. they, they make the jig sit real flat on the bottom. Um, because of their heaviness. So more, when I say turd, I really meant is like the Z-Man TRD um, style base. So and like I said, if you have a three and a half inch, the, the small one is typically a little bit too small. You could still fish it, but I like the three and a half. I think it's, I think it's three and a half. It's the one that's bigger, just bigger than the, the yep. 275. Um, but that's a good little bait. Um, it, it helps that bait to stand up. It gives it a little bulk down there and you just, you get a lot of bites, small mouth, large mouth. So that's a good little bait, too. Good little trailer. Love it. All right, I got some questions here. What do we got here? Oh, here, the creek crawler. Does Tyler contrast colors on the jig and soft plastic? Um, or don't you really think about it? <laughs> I, I've never been in a situation where I'm like, the contrast I know made a difference, mm. if, if that makes sense. Do yeah. I do it? Yes. I try it from time to time. Um but I, I, for a lot of, t- a lot of times when I go out there, I'm just going to match them. If I'm throwing a green pumpkin jig, I'll put a green pumpkin trailer on. Um, if I'm throwing a black and blue jig, I'm throwing a, a black or a blue trailer. Um, that's most of the time. Like I said, I've just, I've not been in a situation and, and maybe that's just because like, I haven't fished with somebody side by side where it's like, I'm catching them because of the contrast. Right. Um, it, it, it is what it is. Um, I just have not. Fish it. Somebody just put the Blue Rock swim jig, 1099 jig. That's a that, that little Blue Rock 1099 jig is a really good jig too. I see that. Oh, there it goes. Low life, my man. Yeah. All right, got a couple more questions around jig. If you have a question for Tyler around jig fishing, go ahead and throw that in the the comments. We'll try to get that answered as we're coming toward the end of our time tonight. Um, so many great pieces of information. I love that they're so tactical as well. So thank you, Tyler. I think you're doing fantastic. All right, let me see here. A couple of questions for you. You did a couple of videos and you might have shared some of these tips, but if you can expound on it, uh, potentially be great. Number one reason anglers struggle with the jig. So that kind of goes back to what I, I, I talked about just a minute ago is like, I think a lot of guys pick up too big of a jig at first. There you go. And, and it, whether that's a half ounce jig, uh, because if you listen to a lot of professional anglers talk and even myself, like I use a lot of half ounce jigs. And a lot of guys will say a half ounce jig is their favorite, but that jig is a little bit bulkier. It's a little bit hard. If you're used to coming from a Texas rig and going into that, it's just a lot more drag and weight down there. So it feels a little awkward for people. Um, so if you go with those quarter ounce finesse jigs, Arky style, 
like those those are the ones you're going to get a lot of bites you're going to get as many bites on those as you would probably a, a standard texas rig but it's going to start to give you confidence in a jig um so that's the number one reason to me that i feel like people mess up with jigs all right i'm going to give you a choose your own adventure question um yeah. football jig tricks i did not want to share or five jig tricks for winter bass um okay we'll do the football one because we haven't really talked about football and the yeah. winter jig one um we kind of talked about cold water and trailers and i talked yeah. about that in that video so um football jig the, the biggest thing that i would say i, I don't want to share about a football jig is stroking a football jig it's it's something that a lot of guys like they know about but they don't necessarily do and it's a great way to go out there and catch fish on jigs. so if i'm fishing an offshore you know, structure of some sort, or I'm out there, um, fishing a ledge or whatever, something that can be very powerful, especially after, say, for example, I started with that crankbait, I ripped through, catch a couple fish on a crankbait, they stop dying, I'll pick up that jig, and you kind of work it a lot like you would a flutter spoon, um, but it has a lot better hookup to land ratio than a flutter spoon. We're going to cast that bait out, you're going to let it fall, and you're just going to, you're going to pop that thing off the bottom, it's going to go four or five foot off the bottom, and just sail back down okay and it's kind of i mean you, a lot of people i used to do that a lot before hair jigs became really popular you know and hair jigs have kind of taken that place a little bit but football jigs to me that's the first that's the first thing that i used to do with a football jig is really just kind of shoot pop that pop that thing up there it's just different and i think that if you incorporate that with dragging it so if you're dragging that bait across a football jig across the bottom if you imagine a fish, like all of a sudden he's, 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 he's following here. He's, <laughs> he's following that jig, you know, across the bottom and he's getting closer and all of a sudden, bam, you pop Boom. it up. He's like, oh crap, where did that go? And then bam, it falls back in front of him. They just suck. Nail it. You know? And so a lot of times they'll shoot off the bottom with forward facing sonar. I see this now. They shoot off the bottom with it. And as soon as it goes from going up to going down, they bite it right then. Um, so the tricky thing about that is that usually when they go from biting it on kind of the, the, the top the arc. of the arc, yeah. your rod's also like this. <laughs> so you have to be careful because if you're like that and it's like, boom, you, I mean, you got to reel down, reel down and fast. Make sure you get the slack out and, and get a good hook set in. So, so yeah, I love it. All right. We're getting some, see if we have any questions. If you guys have any questions in general, now I asked you to bring a bunch of lures and I, I didn't really ask you as we were going through top water and uh, cranking and jigging, do you have anything else laying in front of you that you'd like to share? Maybe something that's really performed for you this past year or your go-to or your favorite type of brands and reasons? Um, not, not particularly. The only other thing I really have there we go. in front of me, I got an eyelet that's a little jacked up. Um, it's just a popping frog. Like for all you frog fishermen, I'm a big frog fisherman. To me, a popping frog. Um, I feel like when they first came out, they weren't quite as popular as their standard like bronze eye sixty five pointed nose frog. Um, and something that I learned with that particular frog is that, especially like the Spro version, is that you would get bass especially in ohio right we fish for a lot of pound and a half fish pound and a half two pounders sometimes those fish that would miss that bronze eye a little bit bigger bodied fish or frog they yeah. would that same fish would get that popping frog and i think that that's why a popping frog is so 
good is because you hook most of the fish that eat that thing. Like you really do. Like if you got everything set up right, you don't set the hook too soon. Like you are going to catch a lot of the fish that bite that frog. Mm. And that to me, especially being from Ohio, fishing for a lot of one pound, pound and a half, two pound fish, making sure that they got that bait was really, really important. And, and I remember visibly seeing fish. Uh, if you know Griggs Reservoir, I used to fish a frog there a lot. Okay. Um, and this is where I really first saw this is I remember fishing that bronze eye, seeing a bass come up there and he would just kind of hold the, he held the frog kind of weird in his mouth. Like most of it was sticking out again. If you fish across the nation where you're catch, catching three, four, five, six pounders, it may not make a difference. But if you're fishing for smaller fish, like we do here in Ohio, mm -hmm. that slender profile of a popping frog, you just hook way more of them. And I think that's really important. All right. I like it. Few, uh, last few questions coming in from those listening in live. I got two of them here. All right. First one, Raxpack661 asks, Tyler, what is your favorite head for a hair jig? Um, so hair jig, I'm assuming he kind of means like the ones, cause you have kind of like the marabou hair jigs that mm -hmm. a lot of guys fish for small mouth. And then you have kind of the bigger, um, hair jigs that people have. And right now, um, the, the, to me, the jig head, I don't think really matters if I'm being a hundred percent honest with you with the way that I work a hair jig, because when you work a hair jig, I'm never dragging it across the bottom. Um, and most of them are going to kind of fall like in a pendulum. So the ones that are a little bit more pointed nose might just fall a little bit faster than the ones that are a little bit more broader. Um, if that makes sense. Um, so it's just something to pay attention to because usually when I'm working a hair jig, I catch that thing out. It's pretty heavy. It hits the bottom and I'm going to reel that bait up real quick with my reel handle as, as I kind of raise my rod and then I just kind of kill it, but I don't give it complete 100% slack. I like the bait to pendulum back down to the bottom and that's where those fish are going to get it. So working and as soon as it hits the bottom i do the exact same thing so that the jig head doesn't necessarily i feel like matter huge when it comes to a hair jig um because of the way that i am working that bait if that if that makes sense no i like it and i think it's i think it's interesting i, I i've never fished with um a live scope but the things that you've been able to has it been fun being able to see how, yes, I thought that's how fish were reacting and now I can actually see it and that's how they're reacting or was it a surprise to you that, oh, wow. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing like that I think, I mean, there's a, there's a big negative connotation around, you know, live scope and mega live, which is what I use. Um, and it's, it's to me, like learning about the fish has been the most intriguing thing. Mm. to me and the big thing that i hate about it actually is that you see how many fish <laughs> that are there you know like you're like how many fish follow your jerk bait in the spring that you just thought you were jerking along and didn't catch anyone and you realize yeah. oh my gosh like every 10th cast i have a fish following me but every 10 of those fish i actually catch like it'll make you so frustrated <laughs> that it, it's crazy. But learning those type of behaviors, I think for me, one of the big things is how far up fish will come up to get a bait. For example, like a jerk bait, like I was just talking about, you'll see fish that, you know, your jerk bait six foot under the surface, but they're sitting on the bottom and 17 foot and those fish will come all the way up to get that. Really? Bait. So those type of things are really interesting to me. Like I don't do as much um mega live live scoping where i'm seeing a, an individual fish and i'm casting to it i'm more or less fishing 
the, the conditions that I would normally fish and I'm watching what's happening. And then it helps me to make adjustments faster. If I see a lot of fish coming up to that bait and going away, I'm going to, I'm going to switch up my color. I'm going to switch up a bait that doesn't have noise. So learning from it has been really cool, really unique. Yeah, I bet. I love it. I got a question from Bastin with big Malone. His question is Tyler, use drop shot any. Oh yeah. Use drop shot a ton. Drop shot is kind of like um, the glide baits for me because in my mind, there's no situation on earth that a drop shot won't work. Like if you really think about it, I've caught fish in muddy water, clear water, deep water, shallow water, in cover, out of cover, all with a drop <laughs> shot, right? Like there's no situation and it's always the best follow-up bait. Like we've talked about a little bit with fishing ledges. You know, if you fish a crankbait through there, you fish a, a, a jig through there, what are you going to do? The last thing that you're going to do is throw that, 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 uh, drop shot down there and just work it along slowly. And you're going to pick off fish with it. I love, I absolutely love a drop shot. It is a great, great bait. Had the 11th hour question come in from Bert Brando is an A-rig successful in Ohio. Now, obviously it, if you fish it, it's all you fish, you're going to catch fish on it, but do you run an A-rig or do you kind yeah. of not? And whenever you go South, you do, how's that work for you? No, A-rigs are extremely successful in lakes that set up for them in ohio like if you go to indian lake um if you go to buckeye lake uh you go to delaware lake in ohio like those are kind of mud not necessarily mud holes they're just shallow water fisheries you're not going to fish an a rig a whole lot but you go to the lakes that have a little bit of deeper water a little bit of cleaner water like i can guarantee you an a rig is going to be just as effective here as they are anywhere else in the country um, I've caught a lot of fish on an A-rig throughout the years in Ohio, 100%. So you alluded to depths. Now, qual qual qualify that for us. Um, depths. Um, so to me, like an A-rig is at its best when you're fishing it probably in like 10 foot plus, I guess you could say. You could fish it like a spinnerbait if you really wanted to. The only problem with fishing an A-rig in really shallow water is that or like target oriented stuff is that like it just comes down so hard. Like you're throwing a huge rig out there, like it hits and it's a big splash. So like a lot of times if I'm fishing it off the bank in clear water, maybe I'm targeting stumps or grass clumps, um, rock piles, even like I'll cast that bait a ways away and bring it kind of down to the depth that it needs to be. Um, the big thing though, with a rigs is that, like I talked about earlier, bass will come from a long distance away to hit them. Huge mm. drawing power. So um, when I was A-rigging without a Mega Live, I would just cast that bait out, and I would try to count it down to middle of the water column. So if I was fishing 15 foot of water, I would count it down like six or seven seconds where I thought the middle of the water column is. And that depends on the type of – the, the A-rig I was fishing at the time – it would follow a foot a second. And you can test out all your air rigs by just pitching them off the side of the boat and seeing how long it takes them. But get it to the middle of the water column and then just try to do whatever retrieve that you feel is going to keep it there. And those fish will come easily seven foot up to get it. All right. Um, so, yeah. Well, folks, we're a little bit over time here, and I want to get uh, get Tyler back to his son and his wife. So, Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show. If you have not yet done so, please head over to Bass Fishing HQ, hit that sub and bell notification because he's putting out, it, this is just like a little bit of the 
incredible knowledge base that you have on your channel. And I appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you do. And uh, yeah, guys, I look forward to next week. We got Matt's Fishing Mission on uh, next Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Another Ohio guy um, yeah. fishing for smallmouth in the creeks and rivers. So hey, is, he's down by, is he down by you? I don't know. I, I've I only he seen, is. Is he? Or Cincinnati. I think he's actually Cincinnati. My bad. Is he? But. Yeah. I love talking to Ohio anglers, but thank you so much, Tyler. You have yeah. a great rest of your night. Everyone else, thank you for listening in. We'll see you next Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. You have a good one. You've been listening to the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. Kayak fishing is a passion that runs through our veins, and our passion is to talk about every aspect of it, have a blast doing it, and laugh the whole way. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Wendell Fishing. You know, they say if people concentrated on the really important things in life, there'd be a shortage of fishing kayaks. <laughs> See you next time on the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. <laughs>